On this episode of Emerge, my guest is Warren Berger. Warren is the author of the book, A More Beautiful Question. In this conversation, we talk about the nature and importance of questioning, what keeps us from maintaining our childlike curiosity as we age, the dangers of relying on expert advice, and how to find the important life questions that Google can't answer. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Emerge. Uh, This week on the show, I have a very special guest, Warren Berger. Warren is the author of the book, A More Beautiful Question. And it's one that I read about about a year and a half ago and have just recently read again in preparation for this interview. And I'm just really struck by a lot of the ideas in it and the the perspective it brings to the act of asking questions. So, uh, Warren, welcome to the show. Thank you, Daniel. It's great to be here. Yeah, and and so the the kind of reason uh, I thought it would be so interesting to have you on this show, uh, and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, is in the interviews I've already done, again and again, the theme has come up that in order to create a more beautiful future for this planet, we need to learn to ask meaningful questions and the right questions. And you know, that's kind of what your book was all about. And so maybe just to start, um, I have a question for you, which is just why are questions so important from your perspective? Well, I think th- there's a lot of reasons why they are. Um, I think when we talk about the, the well, let's, let's start with this. Questioning, the, the most basic thing it does is it helps us deal with the unknown. You know, it's a human tool um, uniquely human, by the way. And, um, and it's a tool we start using when we're two years old. <laughs> but it is a tool that helps us attack the unknown and, and organize our thinking around what we don't know. Uh, and so it's, it's very, very useful for us as we're growing up. And, you know, we're going at we're venturing out into a world where we really don't know anything, and we mm-hmm. have to figure it all out. And uh, and then something happens along the line, and we we as we get older and we start to know more, we uh, we don't question as much, we don't ask questions typically as much as we did when we were very young, and so bringing this around to you know the problems of the world, um, we're kind of in a situation where we're facing a lot of big challenges and big issues. And a lot of a lot of it involves the unknown. A lot of it in, involves complex situations where we really don't know the answer. And I think we need we need to really use that tool of questioning because it, what it can do is help us to see these challenges in a fresh way, attack them from different angles depending on the questions we ask, and um, and challenge some of the assumptions we may have about these issues and these problems that, you know, oftentimes we're assuming things that are not correct. So questioning can do all of that as it helps us begin to, you know, look at problems in a fresh way and, and, and try to move forward. And you also, I think, in the book, make a distinction between just questions and beautiful questions. And so what, from your perspective, are beautiful questions? 
Yeah, I, I, I had, um, you know, the, the problem when you're writing about questioning is that it's it's such a, obviously, it's such a broad, broad <laughs> subject, yeah. you know, and and questioning is such a basic uh, behavior. It's like breathing, you know, it's something we do every day and we do it all the time and we do it uh, without even thinking about it, right? So, so as I started to focus and, and figure out what, what kind of questions do I want to talk about, um, do I really want to talk about the kind of questions we ask when we're saying, you know, what's for breakfast today? <laughs> you know, And uh, obviously, I had to start to distinguish between the kinds of questions that were of interest to me in this book and the billions of other kinds of questions that one could ask during the course of a day. Hmm. So um, so I came up with a definition uh, for what I call beautiful questions. And basically, you know, what I said, uh, I'll, I'll read this from the from the book. What I said is um, a beautiful question is an ambitious yet also actionable question that can begin to shift the way we perceive or think about something and that might serve as a catalyst to bring about change. So to boil that down, you know, when someone looks at the way we've been, you know, tackling a certain problem in the world, or someone looks at the way an organization conducts itself, and they start to ask questions like, um, you know, why are we doing things in this particular way that we've been doing in the last 10 years? Uh, what if we tried something new? Or what if we tried X? Or how might we find a better way to do why? You know, um, if someone starts to ask those kinds of questions to me, those are now you're starting to get into beautiful questions because yeah. you're getting into the kinds of powerful questions that can challenge assumptions, uh, change the way people think about something. And once you do that, you know, then you're starting on the road to possibly bringing about change. Mm. Cool. And, and one of the things I thought was really interesting in, in your book was you pointed out that uh, children, young children, are essentially question-asking machines. And I certainly experienced this with my own young niece. Uh, but at a certain point, we stop asking so many questions. We kind of, it, it gets out of our system or is pushed out of our system. And I'm curious, what's your perspective now on why we stop asking questions when we kind of, quote unquote, grow up? Yeah, well, it's, it's, um, it's, it's a very alarming thing, I think. And, and people don't talk about it that much. Um, there's some, there is some data that suggests we are at our peak of questioning when we're four to five years old. And we're asking uh, in, I've seen a study that says um, a four-year-old girl, even more than a boy, a four-year-old girl uh, asks as many as 300 questions a day. And, um, and then when we get to be about six, seven years old, boys and girls both um, start to ask uh, less questions. And then it, it, continued, it continues to go downhill as, as we go through school. And by the time we get to high school, you know, a lot of a lot of kids are not asking questions at all anymore. So to me, this is a very, you know, I mean, I, I'm a little, you know, troubled by that, because if you believe, as I do, that that questioning is um, it, it's key to growth and and understanding and it's it's connected to innovation. It's it's tied to all these great things. 
So if you believe that, and then you see that we're asking less and less questions as we get older, you know, you, 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 you naturally you're you're going to be concerned about that. So I mean, why does it happen? I think there's there's a lot of reasons. Um, it's part of it is social pressure. Uh, we we are very comfortable when we're five or six years old asking our parents uh, questions as we get into school. Uh, we're surrounded by peers and strangers, and we're not as comfortable uh, asking questions. Um, there is a uh, a perception that questioning is a, is a, maybe a sign of weakness uh, because you don't know. You're show you're revealing to everyone that you don't know. And um, and and then on top of that, um, you have to look at the way our schools function and um, our education system really doesn't encourage questioning. It doesn't teach us how to be better questioners. And um, oftentimes questioning is seen as a distraction mm. in the classroom. You know, the, all the reward goes to the student who has the answer. Mm. So if you raise your hand with the answer, that's a good thing. If you raise your hand with a question, maybe, maybe not a good thing. Your teacher may be like, well, we don't have time for that. You know, that's a little off topic or, you know, so you kids are very smart and they pick up on all of this, these signals. So they know what's rewarded and what is desired. And they know what's they quickly pick up on what's what's not rewarded. You know, they're not going to get a, a reward for asking a good question. So I think there are all these factors that come together and they basically kind of train questioning out of us uh, as we as we go through school. Now, some people resist that and they continue to be good questioners. And and some people maybe will have that experience through school and they might later in life or when they get to college or when they get out of college, they might sort of rekindle the questioning spirit on their own. Mm. But for a lot of people, um, it uh, it does kind of get trained out of us. And we are taught, you know, it's all about having the answers and showing people how smart you are. Mm -hmm. And that's how you're going to get ahead. Mm. And you also have this really beautiful word, uh, neotony. I, I looked up the pronunciation of that. Um, and it's a word that I hadn't heard before. And, you know, now it's one of my favorite words. Um, and it means the retention of childlike attributes into adulthood, uh, things mm. like curiosity, playfulness, joy, and wonder. And I'm curious, uh, what have you discovered about how we might retain or rekindle our childlike relationship with the world? How can we be more neotenous? Um, I think it's just a matter of making the effort. You know, I don't think there's any great secret to it. Um, but I think people who, there are people who, who you know, consciously make the effort to do that um, and, and what they do is, you know, they, it's a matter of forcing yourself to, for example, look at the world, uh, the way, a, a child might, you know, to look at things that are very familiar and that you normally would take for granted and, and try to see them fresh and, and even ask questions about them. Uh, you know, this thing I've seen a thousand times uh, I'm seeing it now and I'm wondering why does it look this way or why does why does it work this way? Uh, so asking those really fundamental questions, um, seeing things fresh, I think that takes a certain amount of just discipline and effort. Um, you know, most of us are rushing around and we're we're on sort of an autopilot, you know, and um, 
And so to, to get yourself to slow down, uh, to pay more attention and to question uh, very basic things that are going on all around you, it just takes discipline and it takes time. Uh, I, I studied, um, one of the people I studied in the book was uh, the comedian George Carlin, yeah. uh, who I considered to be a, a, a master questioner. And it, all of his comedy was built around questioning. It was built around questioning our behaviors and our, our culture and our, our laws and everything. So um, what George Carlin said was that um, he, was, he was a believer in practicing what he called vuja day. And he saw that as a, it's a twist on deja vu. You know, deja vu is when you, uh, you've never been somewhere, but you feel like you've, you've been there before. And in Carlin's um, uh, view, vuja uh, uh, day is when you're around something you've been around a million times before, but you somehow see it as if it's the first time, hmm. you know, with that beginner's mind. And he felt that that was the key to his his work and to just being innovative and creative was just being able to see what everybody else sees, but see it, notice it, see it fresh and ask questions about it and, and wonder about the um, the everyday things that are that people are doing and that are going on around us. And uh, it's a really valuable um, skill if we can get into that sort of bouge day or beginner's mind um, way of looking at the world. I even have made the case that if you look at some of the innovators, the people in Silicon Valley who are you know, coming up with these multi-billion dollar breakthroughs, that's what they're doing. They're doing vuja day. That they're seeing things in our everyday lives that nobody else is paying attention to. And they're saying, why hasn't someone created an app that solves this problem that everybody has. And, um, and when they do that, you know, they have the big breakthrough. But why is it that they noticed this gap and nobody else noticed it? Well, it's because they're paying attention in a different way and then they're asking questions. They're seeing things as they are and they're questioning, why is it this way and how would you change it? What if, what if you wanted to change this situation? What would you have to do? Interesting. And uh, curious, how has your life changed as a result of doing this inquiry about inquiry? Um, I think what it's done is it, it's, it's made me into more of a questioner, a different kind of questioner than I used to be. I would say I was always um, somewhat of a questioner because I was a journalist. And when you're a journalist, you are uh, you use questions as part of your work. So um, I, I've always, in one sense, been a questioner. I always was pretty good at asking questions of other people. But what I've learned in doing this work is that, you know, that's only one kind of questioning, you know, mm -hmm. the kind of questions you ask other people in order to pull information out of them. That's only one very narrow kind of questioning. And um, there's all kinds of other questioning that, you know, including the kinds of questions you ask yourself, you know, or the kinds of questions you ask about the world around you as you look at the world around you, um, the kind of big open-ended questions that are not designed to get a very specific answer out of somebody, but they're, they're 
you know, they're much more ambitious in a way. They're, they're designed to help you think in a new way about something. So, um, so I would say what's changed is I do a lot more of that kind of questioning, mm. you know, self-questioning, beautiful questions, questions about uh, why are things the way they are. I do a lot more of that kind of questioning than I used to. And um, I've realized that being a good questioner is not just about interviewing. Mm. Mm. And, and is it that when you say like you have to be disciplined about it, do you have sort of a daily practice of questioning or how does that show up in your life? I don't. I mean, I just, to me, it's just a matter of, of trying to get some quiet time when I can and, and allowing myself to, to think about things a little more deeply and, and maybe pay attention to things in my daily life a little more closely and, and then think about them. And, and, and I think that's just, um, for me, what it seems to require is time. And I think for anyone, it requires time and it requires a certain kind of slowing down. Mm-hmm. And um, I, at one point I was using a, a, a space as a retreat where I would go and, and do that kind of questioning. I haven't been using it lately, unfortunately, but, um, but I think we, it helps us when we can um, get away from things a little bit. Uh, it can help us to do more questioning and more deep thinking. Um, right now, our culture, or our world is not conducive to doing questioning and thinking and reflection. You know, it's, uh, we, we're, we're, in, we're in this always on uh, world of, uh, you know, where we're being bombarded all the time with, um, with messages and, and um, uh, different types of, uh, of stimuli. And um, that sometimes works against uh, reflection, questioning, deep thinking, because it, it, you know, it gives us, it almost is like, it gives us um, an easy out, you know, it gives us an alternative to doing that kind of stuff. And the alternative is just to respond, just to respond to whatever's coming at you, the messages, the texts, the emails, the, the funny website that someone is telling you about. So you can just respond to all of this stuff. And it means you don't really have to do the work of, of thinking or creating or questioning. So I find that for me anyway, um, I need to turn things off and I need to get away a little bit in order to allow myself to, to really do some of that kind of questioning and thinking. Mm. Yeah, and on a related topic, and this is one of the parts of your book that I was really struck by and kind of had the realization that I had suffered from this problem, which is the dependency on experts. And you write, um, on the big questions of finding meaning, fulfillment, and happiness, we're deluged with answers in the form of off-the-shelf advice, tips, strategies uh, from experts and gurus. It shouldn't be any wonder if those generic solutions don't quite fit. To get our answers, we must formulate and work through questions ourselves. And elsewhere, you say that nobody can provide answers that will fit your life, your particular problems or challenges. And, you know, I I think this is true. I know this is true in my own life. You know, in a lot of ways, I and many people I know are just kind of mashups of other people's perspectives and opinions. And I'm but it's also really hard to break the addiction to expert advice because it does offer this sort of easy way out, as you say. 
yeah, how do how do we get out of that? How do we how do we break that addiction? I think it it starts by being aware of it. You know, um, I, I mean, I'm just just being aware of the fact that you know all of these answers and ideas out there um, are are somewhat um, I would say generic, or you know, that they're they're not necessarily going to fit an individual uh, perfectly, and and I think being aware of that, we can then still take in some of that advice. It's not to say that 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 expert advice is is not useful, because there may be some general ideas there, general principles that are very useful and that are that are you know that that we can incorporate into our lives. But I just think that uh, we also need to develop our own solutions and our own thinking and our own ideas about things. And um, because that's, you know, no one, no one really knows our lives the way we do. (laughs) And, um, and so um, I think we need to, we can take in some of uh, lots of that expert advice, uh, use the bits and pieces that help us. But ultimately, we need to recognize that, um, you know, coming up with solutions in our lives is a is a process that we have to work through. Mm. You know, it's it's not like we're going to just suddenly find the answers right there in a book or sitting in front of us. It's almost like we have to work our way to them. And and that will require lots of bits and pieces from different books and lots of experiences and lots of conversation and a lot of thought and a lot of questioning. And and then eventually, you know, we may start to get to some some solutions and some some approaches that that really make sense for us, you know. So I I, I don't want to dismiss that um, the expert ideas. I think they're I think they're great. Um, but you know, in a way, you have to you have to figure things out for yourself. I've been I've been saying this also in the um, with companies and in, in the when when I talk to companies about questioning and you know a lot of companies just like people. Um, uh, they rely on outside experts, consultants, and people like that to tell them, you know, this is what you should be doing as a company. And it, it, it's not necessarily a great idea. In fact, one of the greatest consultants in the business world, a guy named Peter Drucker, uh, used to say to companies, you know, nobody else is going to be able to give you the answer, including me. You know, you have to find your own answer. And uh, and you have to start by asking the right questions and you can you can get plenty of input from experts and and other people. But in the end, none of those experts will know your company as well as you do. And it's in the end, it's going to be up to you to figure out the best uh, way to go. And I think that's true for individuals as well. You know, nobody is going to know you as well as you know you. So that's why you need to be figuring a lot of stuff out. We need to be figuring a lot of stuff out for ourselves. And this brings us back to questioning because, you know, again, the the tool that helps us figure stuff out and deal with uncertainty and the unknown, this magical tool is um, is the question, you know, the humble question. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it really, it does seem like magic. It's such an interesting linguistic possibility, you know, that we can ask questions. Yeah, I, I think of it as, um, in, in some ways, I think of it as an app, you know, to bring it into our, 
our modern uh, times, but it's it's an app that we we can use whenever we're dealing with um, the unknown. And think about that. Think about how valuable that that is, you know, because we're dealing with the unknown all the time. In our work. In the third part of your book, you talk about uh, questions that you know more from a personal perspective, less from a business perspective. And yeah. I was struck by some of the questions that uh, you wrote about. Like one was uh, very simple: Why do I want a house in suburbia? Mm. You know, and it it was interesting to me because I, I long ago asked that question and realized I don't want a house in suburbia. But you know, the fact that that was a real question. It made me think like what other questions aren't people asking that perhaps they should be in their personal lives or in their uh you know as their life unfolds and i'm I'm curious what questions from your perspective should everyone perhaps take the time to marinate in well i think the 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 key there is that um you know like if you look at that why do I want a house in the suburbia question it's all about challenging assumptions. You know, and the reason why we might need to ask that question is because there is an assumption that you're going to follow a certain path. There's an assumption that, you know, you're going to you know, start out in one place and maybe, you know, maybe you'll live in a city for a little while when you're young, but you're going to end up in suburbia. You know, that's where you're destined to be. And and I think we all go through our lives with a lot of these kinds of assumptions and these um I would say they're almost like paths that have been laid out for us. And, um, you know, we're sort of following the path that some other people have told us is, is the right path, or we've seen other people following this path. And so therefore we say, okay, I guess that's the path I'm going to follow too. And so what questioning is about is in, in your life sometimes is just, just stopping for a minute on as you, before you go headlong down that path, you know, stopping to say, wait a minute, you know, why this path? You know, maybe it made sense for my parents or maybe it makes sense for some of my friends. Does it really make sense for me? You know, what are what are my priorities and do my priorities fit along this path? Or should I be taking this other path that I might go for? And to me, that's uh, basically what, you know, um, we should be questioning anything that seems to be a predetermined path, mm. um, anything that seems to be assumed as the way we should we should go in our lives. And uh, it doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. It doesn't mean we shouldn't follow that path because it may be exactly the right path for us. But we shouldn't go down it before we have asked some really deep and profound questions to try to figure out if it is the right path for us. Mm. And this this kind of brings to mind uh, the fact that, you know, I was, I was a philosophy major in college and essentially Socrates was killed for asking too many questions or, or trying to get people to ask questions about yeah. how things were. And there's something really dangerous about questions. Well, it makes people very uncomfortable. Questioning makes people very uncomfortable for, for a lot of different reasons. But but one, one of the one of the big things is that. Um, People are kind of afraid of questions because I think they're I think the biggest fear is that is that you if if these questions get raised, you won't have an answer. And if you don't have an answer, your life gets thrown into chaos. I mean, I think that's the fear. I think that's the fear that, that is behind 
uh, people being very uncomfortable with with profound questions or, or or questions that are you know that might have to do with your life and what you're going to do and what matters to you. There's such weighty questions that um, you know we we are afraid of them because we're afraid. Well, gosh, if if I raise that question and what if I'm stumped and I don't know what the answer is, and you know what I would say to that is that's okay if you don't know the yeah. answer. In fact. That's probably pretty normal hmm. if you don't have a, a, you know, a definite answer to these really big, uh, weighty questions. Um, that's that's healthy. Uh, you you um, but what it doesn't mean you shouldn't raise the questions because what will happen when you when you raise these questions, even if you can't answer them uh, right away, you'll start thinking about them. Uh, your brain, you know, will go to work on these questions. Um, and and uh, you will be starting to have ideas and thoughts about them for a long time to come after you start raising these questions. And you may get insights, you know, down the road that you don't have right now. And you may get answers to these questions that you don't have right now. But if you don't ask the questions to begin with, you won't get those answers and you won't get those insights. So that's the one of the really important points that I, I I I would put out there is that don't have this feeling like I need to have answers in order to raise questions. It's not true at all. Uh, the best questions do not have immediate answers. They don't have easy answers. You can't look it up on Google. You know, um, the best questions you have to be willing to live with them for a while, and you have to be willing to think about them and work on them. Mm. Yeah, it, it brings to mind that there's, uh, at the end of your book, and there's also a section on your website where people can post their own sort of beautiful questions. And these are questions that I think when I look at them, it seems like life-defining questions, like questions that they really live within. And I'm curious, uh, how can people get in touch with those sorts of questions, the questions that can really drive a life? You know, I think it's it's going to be by thinking a lot about what what's important to them and and almost observing themselves uh, and their own lives. Um, you know, uh, what is it that you know when you're doing it you feel most alive, or um, what is it that really uh, matters to you? What is you know? So so I think it, by starting to think about those those kinds of things, you can begin to cobble together your, your beautiful question. It, it, it's almost like you have to identify the, the parts of the question, you know, well, I care about this. And I, I, when I think about it, I've always been drawn to that. And, um, and I think there's a real need for this. And I've also have noticed, by the way, that I have this skill at doing X, Y, or Z. I'm, I'm pretty good at it. So, you, you know, you start to think this way and eventually your beautiful question might be, you know, how might I, you know, uh, take this this skill that I have at X and use it to tackle this issue I'm really concerned about with Y, and then how can I do this in a way that that uh, I I know that I I'm most happy when I when I am doing this kind of activity. So how can I incorporate that activity into it? So it might be a that might be the way you find your beautiful question, you know, just by by piecing together the things that that matter to you and the things that are important mm. and then phrasing it as a, as a 
almost a challenge to yourself, yeah. you know, all right, I know these things matter to me. Um, how am I going to turn this into a, uh, something I can actually do? Yeah. You know, how am I going to make it real? And, uh, and I think that's, that's how you can sometimes work your way to, to your own beautiful question. Some people have it, they'll get, come up with a beautiful question in a much simpler way. You know, there are some people who just sort of, sort of, uh, you know, in, in my case, you know, I, I got interested in this subject. And so, so my beautiful question just, just sprang right out of the subject. And I, I would say the beautiful question that I've been working on for the last couple of years and, and, and probably will work on for years to come is just simply how might I encourage more questioning? And it could be in, this, in the world of education or in the world of business or lots of different places. Um, but how might I find ways to do that? Right. And that is something that, you know, it's, it's a, like a mission question for me. Um, it, it keeps me very occupied. It keeps me energized and it gives me something to, to strive for. And I, I would recommend, you know, to people, you know, if you can come up with a, uh, if you can have a mission question or a beautiful question that you're pursuing, it's really great. I mean, it really gives you something to, um, to, to shoot for and to, and to, you know, and to, and to aim at. And, um, and so that's why I recommend it. And, and by the way, you know, you could you could also do that as a as a statement, you know, but I think it's better as a question. I think questions are more powerful than statements because they're open ended. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And I think there's a lot of, um, I guess, frenzy around finding one's purpose as if it's something that's sort of set. You find it and then you, you have it. But it strikes me that having a question like this is so much more expansive and alive and kind of, uh, yeah, just encourages this open horizon of possibility instead of a, so like there's something, you find this chest of gold and then you have it. Yeah, and, and also, you know, um, yeah, the, the questions are much more fluid, you know. Right. So, so a question, it's very easy to change a question. Um, and maybe add on to it, you know, mm -hmm. um, whereas maybe a statement seems a little more, uh, can seem a little more rigid and, um, and, uh, statements can be a little intimidating, you know, like, uh, you know, I will be the, I, I will, you know, I will drink more water starting tomorrow, <laughs> you know? Um, and it's, there's something about that that's, um, a little bit, um, uh, oppressive. And, and, and I think that's why when we, when we do resolutions, a lot of times we put them in the drawer and we, and we never look at them again, you know, um, it's been shown actually in research that, uh, if you ask, if you take something that's like a resolution and you put it to yourself as a question, instead of a resolution, you're more likely to act on it. Hmm. So if you, so if you have, uh, so take that resolution of, you know, I will drink more water every day. If you phrase it as a, how might I get myself to drink more water every day, you're actually more likely to, to act on that because your brain goes to work on that puzzle. Mm. You, you've, been, you've challenged your brain to figure out ways to do it, and your brain responds to questions and challenges. Mm. Cool. Well, um, we're coming up on the end of the show. Is there anything that you'd like to share with listeners um, before we end the conversation? Uh, I would just say, you know, think of questioning as um, as something that's that's fun to do. Uh, don't be 
Don't be intimidated by the idea of, um, of asking big questions. Uh, think of it as a, as a challenge you can give yourself and, um, and think of it as a, a way to, um, to keep yourself uh, curious and to keep yourself um, energized. And, and I think that's a, that's a great way to think about questioning. And if you do that, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll have a lot of fun with it. Well, thank you so much, Warren, for coming on the show. This has been a really fascinating conversation. Sure. It was great to be here. And it was, it was a great conversation.